0: In the U.S. Army, you can make a choice to make your mark. With over 200 fields to choose from, you can join forces with us and take on anything. Visit GoArmy.com to answer, what's your warrior?
1: You are now listening to the Delvin Cox Experience. It's about time. You're listening to the Delvin Cox Experience. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me this week is Mr. David Taylor II. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. As always, we'd like to start the podcast off with the five-for-five. Five. five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. David, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. What is the best album you listened to this past year? Doesn't yep. have to be new, by the way. The best album I listened
0: to this past year? Yes. Uh, best album I listened to this past year was still Handel's Messiah, the Soulful Celebration. It's a rearrangement of, of Handel's Traditional Messiah by Black Artists, produced by Quincy Jones, features Stevie Wonder, the Clark Sisters. Uh, it's, it's always been out a long time ago, but it's still, still, some of the best music I ever heard.
1: That sounds good. That sounds really good. Hmm. Okay, question number two. Who is
0: your favorite superhero? My favorite superhero is a tie between Batman and Captain Marvel. Batman is my favorite superhero because he took what life gave him and took his resources and turned it back around. And he said he wasn't going to be a victim. He was going to become a nightmare to the things that did those things to him. Captain Marvel, I love because he has the power of the gods in the heart of a child, and he has to carry a lot of weight, and it's only his innocence as a kid that enables him to do it. Okay, what's the dumbest thing you did as a kid? Dumbest thing I did as a kid? Dumbest thing I did as a kid was run into a wall when I was playing soccer, and blessed near break my wrist. I ran into that wall Ooh. full speed. I don't know what I was thinking. I, maybe I was overzealous or whatever chasing the ball. For some reason, my brain didn't kick in to tell me to slow down. And if I didn't get my hand up in time, I probably would have broke my teeth.
1: Whew, that sounds painful to say the least. It
0: was seriously painful. I didn't uh my wrist was there. I was like, Lord, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Question number four. What's your favorite thing to do in your spare time? Favorite thing to do in my spare
0: time is play video games. And Oh, what video games do you like to play? I love uh, all of the Alien stuff, the Alien Trilogy, Alien Resurrection. I love Street Fighter, just about every incarnation. Not everyone, but just about everyone. Okay. And I love, love, love X-Men Next Dimension.
1: Okay, that's good. That's good. I like the the choice, man. That's good. Okay, question number 5. Mhm. If you had to pick a team to defeat Thanos with the, who had the full infinity gauntlet, who would you pick? Wanda Maximoff? Okay. Doctor Strange? Okay. Hulk?
0: Okay. Thor and uh the Silver Surfer count. Can we pick him or no? Of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a surfer, Gym 5
1: That's a good choice. That's a, yeah. real good, that's a really good team, man. So, man, how's it going, man? Let everybody know who you are for those who don't know.
0: All right. My name is David Taylor II. I'm award-winning author, songwriter, producer, and playwright. Uh, my official title is I'm a creative professional. So I write books, uh, novels, children's books, comic books. I write music. Uh, music musical theater, plays. And uh, so I spend my time creating, and uh, that's how I make my living. And so things are going well. I have a lot of things I'm trying to finish up because I have a lot of things launching in 2019.
1: Uh, what's uh, some of these things you could talk about that you'll have in 2019?
0: Yes. Uh, one of the things that's launching uh, quarter one of 2019 is. An RPG a tabletop role-playing game called soldiers and serpents and it's based on my best-selling book Lucifer soldier serpents and sin my novel went number one in about three countries in three different categories it's about the war in heaven and how the war in heaven started how the devil became the devil and how he got his army and how all that started in the heavenly realm It's going to be a trilogy So I have an RPG where you can actually play as characters from the book. And you have it has a unique game mechanic because you can pretty much choose your fate. So you're not at the mercy of the dice or the game master. You have light side powers and you have dark side powers. And every time you go on a mission, you can choose which ones you use. And it all has to do with how you want to end up. So it's, it's really quite interesting. We've got nothing but good feedback on it. So that's going to be launching uh, next year. Right now, I'm in the last week of my Kickstarter for my comic book, The Nephilim Wars. And The Nephilim Wars, Nephilim are about humans and angels that had kids together. So Nephilim are the children. They're like mutants. They're hybrids, human and angels. So that's a really real thing. That's not fantasy. That actually happened. That's in Genesis chapter six. So my story is about the end of the 30th century where they're back. And it's at the end of a five year war between humans and angels. And so it's, it's really deep. So I'm trying to uh, raise the money I need to get that finished. Um, the sequel to my novel is gonna be out, Lucifer Soldier is in Book Two. The title, working title so far is Ignite the Future. So that's gonna be out. Um, and I am trying to launch a line of comics and uh so many different things i want to get out so so i have to get on my ducks in a row i have to see which way you know which order i release them in but i'm working on doing that i dropped three music videos this year um let me see um i'm sure i'm gonna do yeah i've got a book uh tour coming up i've got a normal book circuit i do at different conventions i'm gonna be on tv in uh a few days, I'm going to be interviewed on a live morning show. That's cool. <clears throat> uh, I have a book out called "Diary of a Smart Black Kid," sixth grade. There is nothing on the market for adolescent black
1: boys. That is definitely true. Let me, let me, let me. For, before we get to that, let me ask you this. Okay, uh huh. Your your books and your comic book has a certain trend to it. It has the biblical effect to it in terms of it's about kind of like the Christ wars and things like that, what made you go down that path of writing? Because I think it's fascinating because not many people do it and not many people do it good.
0: Well, uh, in terms of how the war in heaven got started, that started with a couple of images. One of the images I have, Luke 10, 18, the Lord says, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And then that's all he says. So I'm saying to myself, what did that look like? And when did that happen and how did it happen? I got fascinated with that image. I also got fascinated with the image of the first time the devil saw himself, he had to be looking in a pool of water before there were mirrors. And yesterday he was this beautiful anointed angel. And today he's this ugly, twisted, gnarly, beastly dragon thing. And I'm like, how did all that happen? And more importantly, how did humans get involved? How did we get involved in that? So that's what started that idea. And that's kind of, I developed an entire story world kind of on that premise. In that story world, I have novels, I have coloring books, I have comic books, I'm gonna do some manga. Uh, So I have a lot. I also have another series coming out called the Toxic Earth series, that's not uh more christian sci-fi or fantasy that's just straight up sci-fi and it's about an apocalyptic story set several thousand years in the future about an underground colony and uh so yeah that'll be coming out next year too it's called Toxic Earth it's going to be a trilogy and i'm going to release book 1 and book 2 for sure and then try to finish up book 3 by year's end
1: that all sounds awesome let me ask you this uh huh your a lot of your stuff has Spiritual influence. Where do you think that influence came from in terms of how did you get into? I'm, I'm assuming you're a brother of Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of my relationship with the Lord, I've been one of the first things I learned how to read on was the Bible. So I learned how to read when I was four years old and my father gave me three things. He gave me a newspaper, a Bible and comic books. And I have loved all three ever since then. <laughs> And so, you know, there are so many truths that are in Scripture that I think need to be put in more of a mainstream kind of place. But, you know, many times people don't like to be beat over the head with things. And a lot of people just kind of seem to like want to beat them over the head. And I like to kind of do it like Jesus did. I like to have a dialogue. You know, I like to talk to people. You know, I want to hear their ideas. I want to hear where they're coming from. And I want to want to express the different things I have learned in my life through my storytelling. So, because I believe that we have more in common than we do. We have more that unites us than we do that divides us. there's There's such a focused effort, especially in our country in America to always find the things that divide us. But there are some things we have in common. For example, we all have to deal with aging. We all have to deal with losing parents. We all have to deal with heartbreak involving love, either romantic love or the way you love your child. Everybody is touched by sickness. Either you have it, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) or you've got to deal with somebody that has it. Uh, Things like addiction, either you're addicted to something or you're related to somebody that is, or you're married to somebody that is. The uh, stages of life, like what it feels like to be 11 years old. What does it feel like to be 17 years old? What does it feel like to be 30 years old? And so there are just so many common experiences that we have as humans. And so I like to focus on stuff like that, the things that unite us, the common experiences that we have, and then... I think that's a very healthy springboard to see God in, because when you see it that way, you'll see again that we have much more in common as people. That's because you know you know where people, people uh, make their arguments on a couple of places. One of the places that people make their arguments is style. And for some reason I can't understand, people get all hot and bothered about style. So if you don't do things like they do, they just, some people just get, you know, fly into this rage. And yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's a style of life and that's part of your free choice as a human. It doesn't mean everything's right and it doesn't mean there aren't morals and ethics, but it's the kind of stuff that people trip on. And mm-hmm. I just don't think it's, it deserves the weight that it gets. I think there are weightier matters, more important things that we need to be addressing. And so that's the kind of stuff I tend to tackle in my stories.
1: I think that's awesome, honestly. I think the way you approach it is really cool, and I think it kind of opens a door. Since you are a comic book guy, mm-hmm. it opens the door for people to want to go in and read it and find more about it when you put it because you're taking something that's real in terms of the Bible, taking elements of it and making cool stories out of it. And I think that's awesome, man.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I have, oh, man, I, I, I can't tell you without giving you spoilers. I have so many superheroes. I have so many superheroes that I am trying to raise the money to get this thing off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I can
1: imagine, man. So what has it been like so far trying to build up This brand, because you're working harder than I know (laughs) what, man. You said like 10 different things you're working on right now, man. That has to be like (laughs) a mission getting all that stuff together.
0: Well, uh, it's definitely been a learning experience and it's definitely a learning curve because whether you are traditionally published or uh, independently, if you do it yourself, same with music. If you have a contract, if you have a manager, if you have a label behind you, or if you're trying to be a YouTube star or whatever your approach, either way, all the jobs that need to be done still have to be done. And that's the thing that everybody has to learn, no matter how you get your content out there. You still have a whole bunch of jobs to do. So for me, this past year has been about trying to get some team members to, you know, do some of the other things that, that needed to be done, like, um, I had to, you know, redo all my websites and then I have a lot of social media pages and I just started running out of time trying to keep up with those things. And so it's, this year has been about trying to find somebody to take, uh, take over those things because I'm busy working on the content. That's my area. Content creation. So, you know, it's, it's really been a learning curve. It's really, you know, I work really hard. I work really long hours. I get up really early. Sometimes I write in the morning from like like one to four, one to five, especially if I can't sleep, then I'm going to get up and write. (laughs) And and, uh, I'm always trying to work on my craft. I'm always trying to become better. Um, And if I can say this, something I know you can attest to, we unfortunately have moved into a zone where there's a lot of toxic fandom. Yeah, oh yeah. Of, you know, where there's a lot of fans out there and people are just like crazy. In it. So I've really stepped back and tried to understand that and analyze that. And so I've, I've come up with some things. So one of the things that I'm trying to encourage creators to do is don't blame your fans if your content doesn't do what you want it to do. Try to become better become a better writer, become a better director, become a better actor, become a better storyteller. Try to improve yourself. Try to control the thing you can control because what's happening now is when things hit the marketplace and if they don't do well, we got people out here
1: blaming fans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think we are now in a kind of interesting time in terms of fandom and things like that because – because one of the reasons I think it's because of social media, because it's not like it was before where you could put out a project or anything like that. And the only way you probably hear from fans is fan letters or whether you bump into one of, one of them in the streets or something like that. Now, a fan can literally just reach out and touch you over Twitter. And right. be like, hey, I don't like this or I didn't like that. And it kind of, I think it throws a lot of creators off. Well, you know,
0: we we live in a culture, and when I say we, I mean American society. We live in a culture where we we are like uh, ready, fire, aim. So <laughs> we jump into stuff, we pull the trigger, and then think about the consequences later. Yeah. So social media took off many years ago, and it's taken on a life of its own, and now it's a whole branch of society. But we, maybe we didn't think about what that was going to mean long term. And so now as a content creator, because, you know, I'm on Twitter every day. Now we do have people, you know, when I make comments, I try to make comments about the content. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to attack people or whatever. I'm trying to talk about how I feel about the product. But, you know, I'm not spending my time attacking fellow creators or whatever, because they can put out whatever they want. If I don't like it, I don't have to watch it. But, you know, I am going to express I feel about it and vice versa I know people would do the same for me but it's like there aren't any lines anymore where people know kind of like where to pull up and say well you know you don't have to attack them <laughs> you know just because you don't like the content you can talk about that but so I don't know we, we seem to have lost it's like there aren't any lines anymore do you know what I mean
1: by that yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. It's no, it, people are crossing lines and people are saying things that are offensive and it's not necessarily good to be talking about. Like, it's one thing you're talking about. It's a whole different story. I think that shouldn't be tolerated. I don't think it should be done.
0: <coughs> That's exactly right. Um, I don't like how the story ended. I don't like the twist in this movie. I don't think they cast this thing well. I don't like the costume. That's one thing, but, and another thing, another thing is um, people seem to be surprised. You know, it's a generational thing. People seem to be surprised that comic books are a political platform, but they've always been a political platform. I'm like, how was this news to you? You, you know, you (laughs) haven't done any research when comics first came out. Comics for, I mean, the modern superhero, not comics the modern superhero era started right at the beginning of World War II. And if you go back and look at at the DC stuff and the Marvel stuff, you look at Superman and Captain America, you look at 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, go back to the beginning of the modern age and you will see that from the beginning, comic books have been a political and social platform. But for some reason now, that seems to either be news to people or enrage people in a way that I don't think it did before. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean, because I remember specifically not too long ago when they had the all-new all new Marvel lineup, mm-hmm. and some people were making a big fuss about that before even like reading the books, mm-hmm. because they was like, oh no, they made Spider-Man black, Captain America's black, and all this and that, and like... Well, the way Marvel kind of did it kind of makes sense. And not only that, but you knew it was going to come back to status quo. It's well, not I mean, like
0: no it always no does,
1: when, when has that ever not been true? Exactly. <laughs> and people made a big deal about it, and for the most part, most of the books were actually really good. Like, um, Miles Morales is still around, people kicking. The Falcon book, Why He Was Captain America, was very compelling in terms of, like, how it touched a lot of the issues that we were dealing with today, and I, and I love that series. And a lot of the uh, all new Hawk was good, Thor was good, and a lot of the things that happened in those books. Even though a lot of things went back to normal, are still part of the status quo.
0: Well, I think uh, particularly when you're talking about Miles, there's a reason that Miles Morales works so well, and the reason that he works is because he kind of recaptured the original spirit of Spider-Man for a new generation. Yes. The the original spirit of Spider-Man is just a kid, a kid from the Bronx who got these incredible powers, but his life didn't get better. That was always the genius of Spider-Man, that he got these incredible powers, but he still had to deal with death. He still had to deal with puberty. He still had to deal with girlfriends. He still had to deal with his aging aunt. He still had to deal with a crazy boss. So it was like these amazing things you can do, but it's like real life didn't stop. And in some ways it got worse. Right, exactly. And Miles is 100% straight down the middle, a recapturing of that idea and that spirit for a new generation. That's why he's so popular, because out of all the heroes, if superpowers could be a thing, your life would probably be most like Spider-Man's if you think about it. If you got powers when you were 15, and having to walk around school, not letting people know what you can do, when you're just dying to let people know what you can do, yeah. and having to try to balance schoolwork and feeling compelled, to get out there on the streets and fight crime because your uncle died because you were a selfish jerk. You did one decision in one moment and cost you one of the people that meant the most to you and that kind of thing. And Miles just captures that whole, he's not rich. He's not a billionaire. He's not, he's not any of the enhanced kind of thing. He's a kid that got powers and is basically trying to deal. And that's always been the appeal of uh, the Peter Parker character. And now I think we've gotten to the point where uh nobody believes after 50 years that Peter's still 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we can go ahead, go ahead on and let Peter be like Nightwing and let him be 30. That's okay. Yeah. And we can let Miles be 15 because that's the, the the power, the genius of the Spider-Man character. And I think Miles, again, he just embodies it. And uh, so that's why he works. That's not as true for some of the other revamps, but I think it's still true for him because he's really beloved. Everybody that likes Miles just really loves him.
1: Yeah. And Miles is one of the few characters that I hear people talk about, like, hey, we wouldn't mind if he came to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> like, Right, right. That would actually be great. <laughs> So let me ask you this. Since I mentioned the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what do you think about everything that's going on so far with the whole... Well, let's get to the good part. about, and Basically, let's start with Infinity War and Black Panther and Ant-Man, the, year they, the better year they've had so far. Okay.
0: Uh, we'll start with Black Panther. Black Panther absolutely changed my life. Black Panther was so deep until, until we should form a class around it and have to study it as a matter of a college class, I kid you not. Because Black Panther was able to accomplish in one film the, the, I won't say the complete reversing, but I'll say bringing to an end years and years and years and years and years of negative black stereotypes. So Black Panther was the right movie at the right time because it was about a powerful black people. It was about black people that were self-contained. It was not about a white savior. It was about black people being rich and, and so well off they had to hide their riches from the rest of the world. It was about black people being at the vanguard of scientific and mathematical progress, not lagging behind, not being, you know, ignorant, but being on the cutting edge of what science and technology could do. It was about black people Uh, protecting their own. It was about having a strong, powerful uh, female force that were unapologetic, that were well-trained, that were confident, uh, that never apologized for who they were and what they could do. Uh, I mean, and then it was about showing a combination of traditions from many different different cultures from different African nations and about celebrating that culture. I mean, and then, and then, It's not so subtle message was that Killmonger was so jacked up precisely because he grew up here. Yeah. And when I saw that, I mean, they weren't even trying to hide that. That wasn't even subtle. (laughs) There was like, you are jacked up because we left you in the hands of the colonizers. If you had grown up at home, your whole everything would be different. I mean, they weren't even trying. You know, that message was blatant. So, I mean, it was so powerful on so many levels, and it forever shuts up the idea of the negative black stereotypes being the only thing that can sell. That's what I mean about how it changed the game. Because for years and years and years, it was always, we have to be gang members, we have to be criminals, we have to be thugs. That's like in our day. Then like in my dad's day, you know, step and fetching, jigaboos, you know, Blackface, Uncle Tom, uh, Sambo's, your shufflers, all that. And it it was years and years and years and decades and decades and decades of this is how you Black men are, this is how you Black people are. And all of a sudden, here comes a king that's proud to be a king, that's got a proud mama and a smart sister and a tight army and wealth beyond wealth and science and tech. And it just shuts all that up yes. and I just loved it. <laughs> I just loved it and it shows that the anger and the rage that many people of African descent feel is precisely because we've been disconnected from our African roots and made to believe all of those lies like, like, like the ghetto is our natural habitat and we're naturally inferior and we can't do math and all those things that have been perpetrated, Black Panther just puts his foot on all that. It's like, nope. Yeah. So I I loved it. It ought to be a required viewing for every African American. I kid you not. So and, I loved it. I loved it. What uh, else
1: I like is the fact that um it continued in the Infinity War. Right. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. It's so we get to that. In terms of Ant-Man, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest here, I would have rather seen Hank Pym. I know that Hank Pym is pretty much ruined now because he he got, he got did some domestic violence with Janet, so I know they can't ever really feature him now. Yeah. But just in terms of who he was as a character, I mean, and, and his genius and all his different cycles of evolution as a hero and him losing his mind and not really knowing who he was and split personalities and creating an Ultron and creating the Pym Particles and just, you're just a rich character, but, you know, they're not really going to be able to feature him now. So uh, in my opinion, I never thought, I never thought that, that, that Scott was just, had those kind of layers. I never thought he that doesn't. he, you know, I just never thought he was nearly as complex and he hasn't been with the Avengers as long. And the Hank Pym is one of the, you know, founding members. Yeah. So, I mean, so the, the, it's not that the movie, the the movies were, were, you know, good for what they were. I just really would have preferred, you know, some kind of deeper insider investigation or whatever, you know, to his life because he had so much to offer because he was pretty much the Tony Stark of his generation. Yeah. I know he and Tony are about the same age, but we got introduced to Tony in the movies first. But I'm saying Hank Pym and Reed Richards are his peers, they're right along with that. And so I just haven't really been a fan of how, how many moviegoers, many non-comics readers will never really know who Hank is, not really, that he was Ant-Man and Giant Man and Yellow Jacket and Goliath. And, and he did all that. He made all those formulas. He, you know, they'll never really get that, like longtime comics readers get it. So that part was a little bit disappointing to me. But, you know, in terms of what they're doing, I think it's apropos for the day and time we live in. So there's that. With Infinity War, Infinity War could really be, if you think about it, Infinity War could really be like five movies. Yeah. They have like part one, and then they're going to do Captain Marvel. They're going to have part two. But they could really break it out into easily five, maybe even six, maybe half a dozen films because all of the threads in Infinity War are worth watching for themselves, just like, just like Thanos' relationship with Gamma and his daughters. We could use some more backstory on that. Just seeing the impact of what happens in Wakanda, we could watch that. What's going to happen with Wanda and Vision? Is Vision going to be whole? If they don't kill Vision or keep him dead outright, they're going to do like they did in the comics and bring him back as a total... Synthesoid and robot, he's gonna lose his Jarvis personality. He won't love Wanda anymore. Then she's got to deal with that.
1: Then, so many stories,
0: right? Is she gonna go crazy? Are we gonna have House of M? House of M, like what you know? So I'm saying there's such a rich history. There's a rich comic history, and now there's a rich movie history. So I, I'm really hoping, to be honest with you, I'm really hoping that we get the emotional payoff that we need because we're gonna be saying goodbye to all our original principal actors. And that's gonna be so bittersweet, man. Are you kidding? Hemsworth, Downey Jr., Chris Evans, they have sold us, man. They have convinced us that they are the Avengers. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They've changed the characters. Like um, even if you read Marvel Comics now, the Tony Stark's in Marvel Comics is Robert Downey Jr. <laughs>
0: yes, it had uh, what we call the Chris Reeve effect and the Heath Ledger effect. Yeah. The Chris Reeve portrayal was so powerful until it echoed back into the comics. The Heath Ledger Joker was so such an incredible take until they started changing the Joker in the comics to reflect that. And you are absolutely right. Um, and Captain America was never my favorite comic book Avenger. The Vision always was. But Chris Evans' Captain America is most definitely my favorite movie Avenger. Yeah. Because Chris, he just nailed it, man. They just, they they got it right. They got it right, right down the pipe. And so this next movie, after we get past Captain Marvel, is going to be the seriously the end of an era. Literally the end of a 10 to 11 year era. And I also think that we peaked. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I just don't think... The next 10 years are going to be as good as these. I hope I'm wrong. I hope with all my heart I'm wrong. I hope they bring the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in, and they give us the true MCU, and they bring Miles in and all that stuff. I hope they do. But I think we need to go ahead on and go back and watch the first Iron Man and watch all the movies up to Infinity War Part II and just kind of be happy, because I don't think it's going to get better than that. I, I hope I'm wrong, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think you might be right though, because it's gonna be really hard to do this again. See?
0: <laughs> it's like it's like it's like your heart, your soul can only take so much. It's like when you break up, when you have one of them long breakups, you're like, I don't wanna do this no more. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's just what they did is one has never been done before. Two, they pulled it off to a T. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's crazy.
0: What I'm thinking is what I've been racking my brain to try to think of. And and you see me tweet about it a lot. I'm trying to think about the roster going forward. Um, They'll probably kill Cap, retire Tony and Thor will go back. Thor will go somewhere because Thor is eternal where Lisa lives a really, really long time they will go somewhere and try to build a new Asgard, most likely. Yeah. Um, And Hiddleston as Loki has also been just a revelation, man. He nailed He is Loki as far as we're concerned now. Yeah,
1: by by far.
0: By far. So um, I've been racking my brain trying to think about who is going to be the roster going forward. I don't know what they're going to do with Ruffalo's banner. They might go forward with Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda. They might continue with Vision. Pretty sure they're going to continue with Mackie as Sam Wilson Falcon. He'll probably be the new Captain America, if you think about it. Uh, The Ant-Man and the Wasp will probably go forward with. I'm wondering if they're going to bring in like, you know, like Wonder Man, like Moon Dragon, like Black Knight. And then also I'm wondering, uh, is Quicksilver going to come back? Because they can reverse (laughs) the death from Age of Ultron, you know?
1: That's a good question. I wonder how how they would do that in terms of like, um, will it be a situation where Quicksilver comes back or will it be a situation where they kind of change their backstory and bring in Magneto?
0: Right, that's the thing. It all depends on how they're going to... There's going to be some type of reality reshaping. So there's pretty much no way around that because all the characters are dead. (laughs) So reality is going to have to be reshaped some kind of way. So, you know, that's a given. So the question then becomes exactly how are they going to do that and how far are they going to go with it? So, you know, that's what I've been thinking about, about, you know, because I'm trying to, to see if without Thor, Cap and Iron Man and possibly Hulk, will they have an interesting enough roster? Oh, yeah. War Machine will probably be there, too. But I'm like, is the roster going to be interesting enough to carry on the Avengers mantle? They're probably going to keep Captain Marvel around. I mean, they're probably going to do a whole bunch of stuff, but I don't know. I, I just don't see it having the same type of uh, draw or charisma or whatever. Without yeah, the potential.
1: 3 Let's see. Black Panther, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel. Who else? Ant-Man and Wasp, Doctor uh-huh. Strange, and they're going to start putting in the X-Men and things like so. I think the big will probably be the X-Men. Well,
0: see, if they do it right, because I've talked about it on Twitter, if they do it right, they could introduce the Fantastic Four as the first ma- family and have everybody kind of blown away in terms of awe and respect. And immediately establish them in the MCU as a first family of comics. They could do that in one movie, and we could yeah. we could kind of go from there. Um, so, but uh, you know, the other thing that kind of worries me is I'm like, uh, how can I put this? Okay, they took they they did what they did because they didn't have Spider Man, Fantastic Four, or X Men when they started. So they took what had previously been somewhat B list characters and made them A list because of their great solo movies. But every B-list character is not going to end up that way, like Venom. No matter how good the Venom movies are, Venom is always going to be Venom.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much. You know what I mean? so, so it's like, that's what I mean when I say, who are they going to move into those lead roles? Are we going to focus on Captain Marvel? Are we going to focus on T'Challa. Uh, you know, is Shuri going to become the new Black Panther? Like, what, what's going what, to be the core? Because, you know, we've got to have some characters to focus on. We've got to have a core group, you know, who we're following. And so that's what I'm saying. I just don't know. I'm just not sure what that's going to look like. It's very comics accurate to have the Avengers roster change because they always did that in the comics. So that's not new. But on the screen. You know, I I I just don't know. I just don't know. And then also, the the next obvious big question is, who's going to be the villain? Because if it's not Kang or Immortus, you know, who's it going to be? Because they started with Thanos.
1: My big guess, Galactus. Okay, that's okay. my guess. And I was reading something today, and they were saying that um. One, they was talking about how Guardians of the Galaxy is obviously postponed because everything that happened with that. right? But they were saying that they're they're thinking about bringing Namor in, and that could be very interesting.
0: Yes, now that, now there. Now now there's a character that could really be a game changer because just like his DC counterpart, just like Aquaman, Namor is a bit of a child of two worlds. And Namor always has I'll say, shifting loyalties. So if they're going to do Namor, I would love to see him do like they did Captain America, do a World War II movie with the Invaders. That'd be cool. I would love an Invaders film. Holy cow. And then they could bring him in the modern world just like they brought Cap in and kind of have him do the same thing, you know, kind of adjusting to modern times. And maybe Namor comes from a place where people recognize monarchs and then he comes out into the modern world and realize he's not recognized as a king in America, how would he deal with that?
1: You, you know what the first thing I thought when I read that that was? What's that? The first thing came to my mind is Black Panther. Because if you know Namor, it's a child's history. Uh-huh. That could be very interesting on a movie screen.
0: Yeah, yes it could be. It really could be. And also, if you bring Aurora, if you bring Storm in that mix. Yes. That's a game changer, too. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's definitely some interesting potential there. You know, so much with, with, with their Elseworlds or alternate universe stories, all that stuff centered around Wanda. Yeah. So if they go that way, that could be really fun on the screen. But, they, you know, they got to work really hard to pull that off. So if we see, you know, House of M, that'll be one thing. If they do Age of Apocalypse, which I would love to see on screen, then they'll have to bring in, you know, the X-Men if they do it like they did in the comics. And, and you know, so there's that. So uh, so there's definitely some interesting ways to go. But like I did a video about it, like I think I, I really don't think this Dark Phoenix movie is going to be what it needs to be, because you cannot tell the Dark Phoenix saga in no two hours. I'm sorry, you can't do it yeah and so that's another one where that'll probably be sony's last or fox's last foray into the x-men universe before they turn everything over i'm hoping i'm thinking i hope yeah, and they- once marvel studios gets a hold of them then you know the possibilities are unlimited there's all kinds of stories they could do but i really think that i really think that uh I really think that X-Men and the Fantastic Four are going to be the next big things once they, once they conclude this era of Avengers. Just, just, just a gut feeling I have.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Well, before we go, let's talk a little bit more about your stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you said the next thing you got right now is coming up is, um, what's the name of the book, the comic book you're working on for Kickstarter? Uh,
0: the Nephilim Wars. And uh, you can find that on Kickstarter. Just look me up, David Taylor 2. And it's the Nephilim Wars, and it's about uh, the second time in humanity's history that humans and angels are having kids. And uh, the book picks up at the end of a five-year war between humans and angels, and then we find out that the Nephilim are back. And there's lots of twists and turns, because I don't want to spoil it, but I'm trying to raise the money because I'm not just going to use the money just to finish that book alone. I'm going to finish that book and give people their rewards, but I'm going to use it to launch. I can tell you the names of some of my other books. Like I have a comic called Project Power. And I can't say anything else without spoiling it, but it's superhero based and it's set on Earth. Then I've got a book called The Cryo Karuto. I'm so excited about the book. I'll, I'll explain that name, uh, but I'm so excited about what it is and what they do. And then I got some other stuff that's so deep. I can't even say it yet because I don't want to say it until I put it out there. But um, so, so this isn't just a book for me. This is actually a launching of a whole bunch of things that I've been wanting to do for a while. So that's why I'm really hoping I can get it funded and, because I really want to move into like my own comic line. You know, there's going to come a point in in all of our lives where you're either going to be a content creator or a content consumer because you don't really have time to do both. And I really want to be a creator. I really just want to spend my time putting comics out, putting books out, putting graphic novels out, because that's just what I love to do. I don't, you know, I don't want to spend my life just you know, if, 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 you know, my favorite heroes, if they don't do what I want them to do or that, you know, whatever, I don't want to spend my life just always, you know, itching and moaning blah, blah, blah. I'd rather, you know, make my own stuff, make my own contribution and kind of say what I have to say and, you know, kind of let the chips fall where they may.
1: <laughs> <laughs> man, David, you're awesome, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. We definitely got to have you back on to talk about some more of your stuff, man.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, again, if people can find me on Kickstarter, you know, every little bit helps just like a dollar. If I can get, you know, lots of people to just give me like a dollar, I can make my goal and we'll be off to the races. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited about the future. And I definitely want to come back.
1: Yeah, you're, we're definitely going to have you back on to talk about more of your books when, when it's time for some of them to come out. Because you got a lot of stuff coming out. you got the board game, you got the books so you're probably going to be on this podcast a lot
0: <laughs> awesome awesome
1: awesome all right man as always devil cocky spears we are out peace